Hi and welcome to the New Mind Project. Today is your opportunity to create something rather special in your life. My name is Martin Cole and together we are going to be creating the life you are meant to live. You're listening to the New Mind Project podcast and it's time to get this show on the road. How to Create the Life You Were Meant to Live by Martin Cole Achieving Your Dreams Rabbits, cuddly sweet creatures, or are they more like thieves, robbing us of everything we could have or could be? Deception is their game, and few are innocent. Most, like the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, will lead us along intriguing paths, away from the path we were on. The only thing standing between you and your new world is the relentless misdirection and distraction that rabbits represent. So to achieve your dreams, you have to become a rabbit killer. Here in How to Create the Life You Were Meant to Live, you'll discover how to take possession of your dreams and how to create the life you want to live. You'll learn how to wield a sword and behead every rabbit, teasing you into giving chase. Soon you will stand triumphant, with a smile from ear to ear, as you realise your dreams have materialised before your eyes. It's time to pick up your sword. Forward. Are you living a lie? Not being true to yourself defines your life as a lie. Living a lie means you inhabit a life that is a pale substitute for the experience you know you should be living. We are told that if we want to change, to improve our lives... We should set ourselves realistic goals, which will drive us to produce more and consume more. This advice will cause many of us to fail and then try something else. This advice is telling us to chase rabbits. Chasing rabbits is a metaphor for becoming endlessly distracted and following paths that lead our lives nowhere. Chasing rabbits is the route to failure or a long, soul-destroying journey. Rabbits, like your dreams, have learned many tactics to evade capture. In writing a book such as this, one cannot help but be drawn into the process. I am asking questions of myself such as, am I good enough? Will my message be understood? Can I create change in a reader's life? If I were writing a novel, it would be a lot easier. In a novel, you might identify with the hero. You might mentally step into the story But when you get to the end, your life would return to what it was before. In writing a book such as this, there is more at stake. If this book is successful in its premise, then your life will change and you will create the life you were meant to live. That's a big responsibility. Your future is not something I take lightly. And as such, I feel a level of responsibility and would like you to know that. The power of writing about personal change means that inevitably, while I'm writing for you and discussing and helping you with discovering who you are, I am at the same time questioning some of my own beliefs. In some ways, it's like having a conversation with a friend and they ask you for advice. You are flattered and you want to help. Your friend already knows you will tell them what they already know, but do not want to confront. I'm writing this book from direct experience. I'm sharing with you the method that I used and continue to use to create and live the life I was meant to live, a life that I avoided for most of my adult life. In reading this book, you are going to have to confront who you really are. 
To share my method with you, I had to commit to killing every rabbit that tried to drag me away from the task. I won that war, just as you can. Here's how I did it. I wake every morning seven days a week between 5.45 and 6am. I do not use an alarm clock. I am not by nature an early riser. I make a cup of tea and head to my office, which is about 30 feet from my home. I turn on my computer and my fingers move over the keyboard. I pay no attention to grammar or structure, as that will come later in the edit. I pay attention to you, the reader, and our conversation. My focus is on three elements. The first is the image I have created in my mind of the book cover. The second image is of you taking it from the shelf or clicking to make a digital purchase. The third is the smile on your face as you read and then apply what you are reading. I get the most reward in life by affecting the lives of others. This is what drives me. This is what my life is about now. This is my purpose, my real skin. Underneath I always knew it, but it took me many years to face and then live that truth. I'll now repeat some earlier paragraphs. I wake every morning, seven days a week, between 5.45 and 6am. I do not use an alarm clock. I am not by nature an early riser. I make a cup of tea and head to my office, which is about 30 feet from my home. I turn on my computer and my fingers move over the keyboard. I pay no attention to grammar or structure, as that will come later in the edit. I pay attention to you, the reader, and our conversation. My focus is on three elements. The first is the image I created in my mind of the book cover. The second image is of you taking it from the shelf or clicking to make a digital purchase. The third is the look on your face as you read and then apply what you are reading. Now reading this back, it looks like something you could write as a goal to write a book. This is what goal-setting books tell us to do. This method of goal-setting, as you will come to discover, is flawed. It's not the whole process, and the evidence for this is the fact that most goals set are never attained. Each morning I was dragged from the warm covers by the unstoppable force that you will receive as a result of us taking this journey together. This force is why you are reading these words today. You will learn that your goals should be provided automatically to you. Your goals will come to you as a result of discovering who you are and how you will deliver value to others. Your desired future is manifested when your life aligns with your core-driven purpose. This book will show you how to engage the real you and deliver to the world that which you know you must. Now let's together catch your rabbits and behead those suckers. Introduction Like me, you perhaps transitioned into rabbit chasing early in adulthood, blissfully unaware of the impact this would have on your life. Only later would we suspect that we have been sold a lie. We failed to see that the dazzling unicorn of future success we bought into was really just a donkey adorned with a plastic horn. Those we took instructions from infected us with a virus which had its origins in the 17th century. Competing factions introduced this virus because of their beliefs about what the masses needed. Convinced they alone had the solution to your endless struggle with life, they sought lawmakers to ensure you complied. In effect, those in positions of power 
sold the answers to the lawmakers under the guise of education. In essence, they sold it with the promise of a society of enlightened individuals, and schooling became compulsory. However, it soon became apparent that conformity and servitude offered more profitable outcomes. Who were these different factions? I choose not to mention them here because of the shorter surface desire to visit Mr. Google, who is himself and another metaphorical rabbit enticing you into another chase. Every deviation away from the main quest of creating your no life has to be considered a rabbit chase. The journey into your new life is unlikely to materialise without conflict. This conflict will be around challenging your deep-rooted beliefs. Many of these beliefs were absorbed through your education and as you were growing up. Hence, one precursor to changing our lives is that we must approach any task with open hearts and minds. Only with this openness can we engage with all the new thoughts, feelings, emotions and environments we will encounter on our journey. If we carry with us our existing beliefs and use these as validations, then we are unlikely to create the new life we wish to inhabit. So draw up a new irrevocable contract with yourself. The wording of this contract is up to you, but it should describe how you will ring fence any existing beliefs that may interfere with exploring other beliefs and learning from them. It should also state that you will maintain an open heart and mind. It would do no harm for you to write out this contract by hand and sign it. It's embedded in our society to believe a signed contract has intrinsic value. This is an excellent belief to keep. It's a belief that we can use today to make a contract with ourselves, a personal contract that we will commit to upholding. The mental and physical slavery that we have been sold under the guise of happiness is a lie. In the following pages, lies will be exposed, beliefs will be shattered, you will build a new world of your own creation, delivering happiness, wealth and freedom. Who this book is for If you are in your productive years of your career, you are likely to be making life choices that will ensure the success of a life-sucking virus taking over your future. This book is your antidote, and you may have found it just in time. This book will not only provide you with a roadmap for your future, it will give you the courage to say no to the virus. It will allow you to take an unconventional path, guaranteeing you can live and enjoy your life as it was meant to be. If you are in your later years and realise you don't like the look of your future, this book will serve as an instruction manual that will provide you with the means to refocus and realign your life. This book will ensure security and comfort in your advancing years. By the time you reach the end of this book, you'll have learned how to release from within yourself a product of unparalleled value in today's world. The product will cost you nothing, but the rewards are beyond measure. Words cannot convey to you the absolute joy I am experiencing in anticipation of the journey we are about to embark on together. Happiness, the ultimate state of human existence. Can it be possible to reach a higher heaven to which we should aim for? Chapter 1. We got sold the biggest lie. 
In this chapter, I begin to introduce the methods of the book by first looking at the context of society and the way that has often impacted upon the way many of us think and act. In the chapters that lie ahead, I explain this concept in more detail by examining the ways in which this context can be questioned, changed, and how a new identity can be created that is more positive than the old way of thinking. You were dealt a hand where each card was a belief that would shape your world. Some beliefs provide us with a comforting view of the world and are flexible. Others we will defend with pounding fists. The more you can suspend your personal beliefs, the greater opportunity to experience remarkable and positive change in your life. So suspension of your beliefs will result in an openness to the opportunity to create wealth and freedom for yourself and family. To be sure you have a good understanding of beliefs and how they affect us, let's use the analogy of computer software. Computer components are inert until we give them something to do. Once given something to do, they will follow the instructions and provide the result. At birth, you are an organic computer waiting for your first instructions. Your software will be provided to you by every facet of your environment, from physical location to words spoken and mannerisms. You will become a product of your environment. You have no choice in this until you get older, as you are reading this book, for example. Below, I quote the text of the mission statement taken from a typical governmental Ministry of Education website. I am not revealing the country of origin, as any investigation on your part will find glaring similarities to wherever you live in the world. We shape our education system so it delivers equitable and excellent outcomes. The first thing you may notice about that statement is its ambiguity. Equitable and excellent outcomes. These qualities are ear candy. They cannot be measured, cannot be quantified. But they sound like they achieve something. Excellent outcomes does not necessarily mean academic excellence. It could mean all our students leave school convinced that global warming is a serious threat or some other controversial claim. The institution delivering the curriculum bullet points its vision for the product it wants to turn out. A person with a national and cultural identity. A person who aspires for themselves and their children to achieve more. A person who has the choice and opportunity to be the best they can be. An active participant and citizen in creating a strong civil society is productive, valued and competitive in the world. Now before we examine these points in more detail, let's explore some reflections on time growing up. Looking back at your childhood, do you remember your mother being at work or home? Was your mother forced to go to work in order to provide enough family income? Were your parents in debt? Or were your parents living more fulfilly and happy lives? If you're in your late 40s or early 50s, you will remember growing up in an entirely different environment than the family one today. If you are in your 20s, it's changed again for sure. But time moves on, right? On the surface, things move on, but the underlying organisations remain the same. Our life time is taken from us. 
So let's return to our bullet point analysis of that vision that was part of our education. The institution in bullet one says national and cultural identity. Today we have buzzwords, inclusion and diversity come to mind. One example of this could be in a school uniform, which arguably teaches students to dress and take pride in their appearance. Uniforms help students to prepare for when they leave school and may have to dress in a certain way or wear a uniform. That's one opinion. But another opinion says uniforms encourage tribalism and exclusion. Inclusion and diversity is the outside message, but the inside world is national and cultural identity. Are you trying to rationalise what you have heard so far? Remember, you may be rationalising using a mind schooled to be rational in a particular way. On the one hand, you may be convinced you are thinking objectively, rational and intelligent thoughts. But are you? How could you know if you were? One example of this could be to record your own voice and to then listen back to the recording. Speak up, articulate clearly. Can you hear your own accent? This is unlikely because how could you recognise your own accent when it is subconscious? I therefore strongly encourage you to engage your own rational judgement as we travel this road together. Think deeply about what we are discussing and engage with the suggested activities. As you are making your judgments, be critical. But before full commitment to a particular train of thought, hold off until we have had time to explore where a different opinion and the different future might take us. The key to entering your new world is acknowledging your own belief system and engaging your open mind. Meanwhile, let us return to our institution bullet points. The institution's generic aims for its students are 1. A person with national and cultural identity 2. A person who aspires for themselves and their children to achieve more 3. A person who has the choice and opportunity to be the best they can be 4. An active participant and citizen in creating a strong civil society 5. Is productive, valued and competitive in the world So reflective questions Point one talks about identity. We can see how uniform comes to tie into this, but again also ambiguity. Is this inclusion or diversity and how is it measured? Point two is about expectations and assumptions for achieving more. More money, a bigger house, a better car, a bigger boat, a bigger mortgage, more debt or more happiness. Nothing is defined here. It's ear candy. Point three the best they can be. The Institute provides you with a curriculum of education which will make you the best you can be. Could this be defined as sanctimonious? Point four is about civil society, which is an interesting term consulting the Oracle Google for a definition which tells us civil society includes the family and the private sphere, referred to as the third sector of society distinct from government and business. Also, civil society is used in the sense of the aggregate of non-governmental organisations and institutions that manifest interests and the will of citizens. Now, did you notice how well that fuzzed your brain? 
What we see here is the complete negation of independence that would be generated by free thought. The desire outcome is a schooled organisation. Why? It's because organisations can be manipulated and controlled. Free-thinking, independent minds would be like opening a can of worms and asking them to advance in the same direction. Point five is clear. The institution wants you to become productive, valued and competitive in the world. So it could be argued that our children are being turned into competitive commercial products. So this is how you became a competitive commercial product. You are productive if you are producing, valued if you are consuming, competitive if you add to the economy. You are GDP, gross domestic product. Now I realise all this might sound overwhelming and I forgive you for not wanting to consider any of this. This is after all a direct attack on a belief system or paradigm that you have come to know as normal, a paradigm that is repeatedly telling you to get good grades, get a job, get a mortgage and live a happy, productive life. If you're feeling challenged, don't forget you're still unlikely to be able to hear your own accent. The reason you often are not aware of your accent is that your own ears, your own speech, is perceived by you to be normal. Even when others may think the opposite. This is the way we view many of our beliefs they are normalised. So take this a step further. Do you have the courage to run a short life evaluation? If so, let's continue with challenging some common paradigms. Here's another way to think about something we take for granted. I think we could agree on an uninhabited country is a block of land. We call it a country, but only when people inhabit the area do we define it as a country and give the country a name? The people of the land give it a persona, so to speak. A country is its people, the environment they live in. We have categories for countries. One is defined as developing. But prior to this definition, many developing countries were labelled third world. This term conjures up an image of poverty, but it didn't start out this way. The term was originally used by uh, Alfred Sauvy, a French demographer, an anthropologist and historian. He coined the term Third World during the Cold War. Sauvy observed a group of countries, many former colonies. These colonies did not share the ideological views of Western capitalism or Soviet socialism. Three worlds, one planet, he wrote in a 1952 article published in The Observateur. The implication within this language was that if you did not share the ideological views of Western capitalism or Soviet socialism, you were somehow a lesser world in the third world. There was no happiness measurement for those inhabitants. It was perceived by some that it was irrelevant how fulfilling their lives were in that country or how free of debt they were, What was emphasised instead was the perceived lack of wealth. That's because to many Western ideologies, wealth equals happiness. Furthermore, if for some reason you did not hold the same Western ideological views, you were third world and therefore needed education by the first world. 
This westernised education came under the guise of giving you flush toilets, modern roads and capitalistic business. Schooling allowed the first world to exploit the third world. The citizens plunged into debt and their servitude to the first world. Education in these countries moved from elders and the mentoring practice, which provided real-life values to the young, and pushed towards money and possessions. So let's just pause for a moment here to reflect on more of these paradigms. Would you prefer to be independent, grow your own food and share your resources with your neighbours, to be warm, clothed, well-fed and debt-free, and for your children to grow up and live a life of freedom? Here's the sound of a scratch record to disturb you from that fantasy. Yes, sure, but isn't that the way you are not wired anymore? You may love the thought of it, you may dream of it, but you can't do it. You can no longer operate like this. Let's be honest, you know the future for your kids. That prescribed future involves the cycles of leave school, get a job, get a mortgage, lifetime renting, get a car, finance, live payday to payday, hoping you win the lottery. Wait a minute, doesn't this sound much like your life right now? Okay, so where the hell did so many people buy into this delusion? How come we had these dreams growing up and one by one they moved to the dream world of reality TV? And how come every time we get ahead, something puts us back down the ladder again? Like the local authority decides they want more rent from the block of land you believed you owned in the form of rates or taxes. The truth is, over time we all bought into this people and commodity mindset when we slipped on the uniform of conformity. Ever noticed how institution used the formula do as I tell you, not as I do? Ever noticed how institutions define what a living wage is and what you can manage on? Ever wondered why a politician, the public servant, receives more salary than you? Ever wondered why a politician's pension is more than yours? They work so much harder, right? They work for the nation. They fight for you. They fight for your schools with the battle cry of education, education, education. The band plays on as we dance to the same tune our children are going to dance to. But don't grab a pitchfork and march on City Hall yet, because as much as we want to blame them, keep in mind they too are unlikely to hear their own accents. They are dancing to the same tune the masters instruct the band to play. And what's that famous definition of madness? Continually repeating the same action and expecting different results? As you watch your child put on their uniform in the morning, tell them it ain't so. Tell them if they work hard and get excellent grades, they will not be living the life that may be a mirror image of the one you are living now. But I understand your objections to my argument. It's me being cynical, right? You can hear your own accent, and you are different. You are independent, and you are... Okay, I get it. I understand you may believe you can hear your own accent, but I'm confident by the time we finish this book, you'll have grown a new way of thinking. My expectation is that by the end of reading this book, you will have become more conscious of your own embedded beliefs and more importantly, to be able to challenge them to reach your own objectives and change your life for the better. Well, that's it for this show. Make sure you're subscribed so you get notified of the next show where, as always, we will be focused on creating your best life 
the life you were meant to live. If you have any questions or comments, pop on over to our Facebook group called The New Mind Project, a group dedicated to creating remarkable lives, the lives we were meant to live. Whatever platform you're listening on today, make a big difference in the life of others with just a quick show rating. It really does make a world of difference. You'll also find show notes and other downloads over on thenewmindproject.com. All the very best for my family yours. Catch up with you soon.